0: All right, go ahead and turn, if you haven't already, to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And we'll be looking at verses 9 through 15. And I have to get my paper aligned here. 2 Corinthians 8, verses 9 to 15. Everybody found them okay? All right. In verse 9, first word we're going to look at, it says, for you, actually I'll read the the whole verse first. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Okay, so let's go to the first word, it's going to be grace. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, come on. Don't think you're going to mess up on me already. Okay, the first word we're looking at is the word grace. And it means joy, pleasure, and delight. Knowing the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord, we ought to be able to understand that one. It's curios. Is what the word Lord means. And it means supreme in authority. There is nobody above him. To include any government people in the country that we live in. He is the supreme in authority. He is the controller. The possessor and disposer of all things. So that's the Lord that we're talking about. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich. What do you think that word might mean? All right, we'll go ahead and tell you. That word rich means wealthy, abounding with riches. Now this is the Bible definition of those words from the Greek language. Wealthy, abounding in material resources, abounding. So, <clears throat> if our Lord is rich, what do you think he wants us to be? We. Absolutely. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. Yes. That's you and I. Hallelujah. Okay, going on in the verse, the next word we're going to look at is poor. Poor. For though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. That word poor means a beggar, to be indigent. Poor, a beggar. That's what that's meaning. He became poor that ye, through his poverty, the next word we're looking at, Poverty is beggary, indigence, poverty. A condition of one being destitute. And so the big difference between being rich and then being in poverty. So what this verse is saying to us. uh, For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor. That ye through his poverty might be rich. Oh, it did it to me again here, okay? And that word rich is to become wealthy, to be increased with goods, to wax rich, to have abundance, to be in to be affluent in all resources. Now, there's a lot of descriptive words there, but that's what that's meaning. And so that's, we, that's what you and I have to allow our mindset. If it doesn't already, that be an, a normal understanding and view of us in our minds, that's what we have to allow it to come into us. That is what the Spirit, that's what the Word of God is saying when he's speaking to us about this. <clears throat> now, granted, it's not all about money in the kingdom of God. But money is in resources and riches is what God wants you and I to have. How are we going to help somebody else if we don't have enough for ourselves? But he will change that in all of our lives if we'll receive that word. Okay, now let's go to verse 11. 2 Corinthians 8, 11. Now therefore perform the doing of that As there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. Now therefore perform. That word perform has to do with fulfill and to accomplish. Something that you and I are going to do. To perform the doing of that as there was a readiness. That's the next word we're going to look at, readiness. It's a predisposition, a forwardness of our mind, a readiness, and eagerness of our mind. So it's something that we're willing and looking to do. We'll now go to verse 12. <clears throat> For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. For if there be first, let's look at that word, to set before, to be placed before the eyes, to stand forth. So that's what first is. And then how about a willing mind? It's a predisposition, a forwardness of the mind. It's an eagerness in our spirit. A readiness of mind. Let's go to verse 13. Verse 13 says, For I mean not that other men be eased, and ye burdened. The word eased is relief, rest, relaxation. Relief, relaxation, and rest. Not that others be eased and ye burdened. The word burden we'll look at also. Burden means pressure, afflicted. Anguish. Mm. Tribulation and distress. Have you ever been burdened in your life? Mm -hmm. Somebody wrote a song, cast your burdens on the Lord and leave them there. But there can come times we're burdened with different things that are going on in our life, whatever the situation could be. It could be just a a mental thing that you're dealing with. Maybe the adversary is harassing us somewhere or whatever. It could be a physical condition or whatever. But there can be burdens that come into our life at different times. All right, let me see here. Now we're going to go to verse 14. First one, I'll read the whole verse, I guess, at first. But by inequality, now at this time, your abundance may be a supply for their want. That their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be an equality. There may have already been times in your life that you are in abundance and you know somebody that's in lack or in need or in want. Well, if if you were in the same situation they were in, you wouldn't be able to help them much. I mean, you could with... You could spare them, you could pray with them and believe God with them to change the situation, to bring something to them. But if we have means to relieve their burden, then we're better off being able to do that then. Okay, verse 13, but by an equality Let me get the right one here. Uh, it simply means equity or equal. It would be equal. Now that at this time, your abundance... What do you think abundance might mean? There you go, that's a good one, more than enough. Sometimes you have that after Thanksgiving dinner. You've already had more than enough, and you still got plenty left over or whatever. All right, but let's look at that one in the Greek definition. Uh, Get that off there. A surplus or superabundance. Now listen to these words, listen to this definition, and that is what that part of Scripture is literally talking about. A surplus or superabundance, that which was left over and above. In the Thea definition, abundance in which one delights. That which is left over and remains. Okay, so that is abundance. Now we'll come down. (laughs) By the quality that now at this time, your abundance may be a supply for their want. How about that word want? The word want means a deficit. You no longer have abundance, but you're in deficit. Or somebody you're about to minister to may be in deficit. They don't have a much. They don't have o- overflow. They're not walking in abundance. <clears throat> Deficiency of that which is lacking is what the word means. So I'll read read the verse again, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance for their want, that their abundance may also be a supply for your want, that there may be an equality. It's the same word, the same definition, equally. And now we will look at the 15th verse of this chapter. As it is written... He that had gathered much had nothing over, and he that had gathered little had no lack. He that had gathered much. It means many, much, and large. He that had gathered much. Somebody may go out to pick some string beans and they ate ninety percent of them, and brought about seven home. <clears throat> well, that wouldn't that wouldn't be considered much. Yeah, strawberries. Yeah, Australia, that'll work also. As it is written here, that gathered much had nothing over, and he that gathered little had no lack. Little means that. Puny. (laughs) Good definition. Small, few in number. Okay, so that's some of the definitions that are in those few verses that we looked at. And again... Although you may not have taken down notes for every single one of them, you can certainly, you know you know the reference that are right there in your sheet, I encourage you to go back and look at them. In fact, the four sessions that we've had, you've all had handout sheets. I'm not going to ask you if you ever look at them again after you get out of here. But I suggest that you do. I suggest that you do. They're there. I mean, that's the intent of why putting them up there. It gives you something to just speak it all on at one time. You may grasp some of it. And I would also encourage you in your Sunday and Wednesday sessions, get used to taking notes. Get used to taking notes. You'll be surprised when you go back and look at it afterwards. And sometimes when PT gets going fast, I and mean, I have to do some hyphenating, at least I got the verse there. And I'll get it before it goes on to the other one or whatever. So, And I will say this before I forget to say it, I guess. How many were here Sunday morning? In offering time. Did you hear what Pastor had to say about uh, his house was the object blessing and paying down debt? Mm -hmm. Paying down debt is very important. I'm glad that he shared that. I think some people probably get some encouragement out of it. And that is what the kingdom of God would want us to do. God really does not want you and I under any type of debt whatsoever because he's, he has more than enough to supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. He needs us to cooperate with him so that can happen. And he is more than willing to do that. <clears throat> all right, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 now. Chapter nine. And on this one we're going to be reading Second Corinthians nine verses six through twelve. And doing the same thing again, giving you some of the definitions of these words so we can see how they fit in. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. I'll read that whole verse itself, I guess, as we start. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Before we go any farther, do you think bountifully may be a little bit better than sparingly? Well, it's going to be how we sow. It's going to determine what we reap. All right, so let's look at a few of them here. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. But this I say, he which soweth. Just look that word up. Why is that happening? I kind of think it's an operator problem. But, uh, but don't ask me why in the world that did that. But let me see if I can get it remedied here. There we go. Second Corinthians 9, and 6. He would soweth, soweth, <clears throat> to sow, to scatter seed, to extend. When a sow goes out, many times he'll be extending. So nowadays they use machinery and everything else for that, but normally they would scatter a bunch of seed on the ground. And that's going to determine the amount of seed that you put on the terra firma, the earth, in this certain garden area, whatever you're doing, the amount of seed that you sow is going to have a direct effect on what your harvest is. Because not every one of those may come up, but many of them should. So all right, let's get away from the botany lesson here and keep on going to this. He would soweth sparingly. Oh no, what might sparingly be? <clears throat> Abstemiously. That's a big word, right? <clears throat> it just it really means sparingly also. But this next, next one I like, their definition of it is stingily. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. You know what a stingily is? Yeah, they don't tell us if you've ever been stingily in your life before, but you, might not, award, you might, not, might not have been too interested in sharing your candy when you're young or something like that or whatever. <laughs> <clears throat> but stingily. So it's saying, he would sow sparingly he which soweth in sparingly shall reap. How about reap? To harvest the crop, to reap a harvest. So when you're out there sowing your seed, if you're playing a garden, something like that, you're not going to have harvest tomorrow morning. I think I'm certainly not a, a natural seed sower, I prefer to be a money sower. And I think this is right, this goes back, I can't get up way late on this thing too long, but I worked uh, one time when I was going to Bible school, the first time I ever went to Bible school, and I was working nights on this big machinery shop. And there was a couple guys that worked with me, they lived a ways away from there, but they were both farmers. And they'd get into all these stories about their farming, their plant, and their planting this and that stuff. And I remember one night, how they get on that, I don't know. But I'm quite sure that a radish is one of the things that can grow up the quickest. And I want to say from memory, it's something like 28 days maturation time. So that baby's in the ground only a month and you're already eating it. So that's pretty quick, isn't it? Okay, enough of that lesson also. Let's see here. That wasn't in my notes, folks. That was extra. So, All right, where are we at here? Sow sparingly, reap... Also sparingly. And he which soweth. Still the same word for soweth. How about bountifully? This is going to be an interesting one. It's eulogia. Is the Greek word. It has to do with fine speaking. Notice on the top of your page. That word right close to the end there. Speak. Speak. Life and death and the power of the tongue. Our speech has a lot to do with everything that we gain in the kingdom of God. Everything we accomplish. And things that we may, so to speak, curse ourselves with. It may end up saying the wrong things sometimes. We can usually, after a while, correct that pretty quick. Figure out, well, you're an idiot. (laughs) You're not waiting for the devil to come along and curse you. You're doing it yourself. So fine speaking so it definitely has to do with our language you know uh Thayer says fine discourse polished language so it's definitely having to do with speaking <clears throat> all right uh Okay, so we got that. Now let's come down to verse eight, Second Corinthians nine eight. <clears throat> and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. All right. God is able, powerful, and capable. Shut that thing up. (laughs) God is able. Powerful, capable, possible, powerful, mighty, strong, mighty in wealth and influence. That's what this particular word, able, means, the definition of it. God is able to make all grace abound. This is an interesting word. This is throughout the New Testament many times also. But in this context, this is what it is. It's parasuo, is the Greek word. It means to superabound. You know, like supersonic flights, when they had them? Superabound in quantity and quality. God wants you and I, expect us, To superabound, not just abound, but to superabound in quantity and in quality. Oops, hit the wrong one. To be in excess. To be superfluous. To be abundant. Oops. Thayer's definition to exceed a fixed number of measure to be left over and above for more to remain. And we're getting the picture that he's certainly not talking about lack for you and I, for his kingdom. And that's why I'm going through all these definitions. We may not have read them or looked them up before. I, am, I encourage you to do that when you have time and do your study. All right. You're always saying all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. All right, let's drop down to the very next verse, verse nine, second Corinthians and nine. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad. He hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. He hath given. How about that word given? To bestow, to give, to give something to someone of one's own accord. To give someone something to their advantage or to bestow a gift. You can see how those all tie together and what the meaning is. <clears throat> it's first he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. He hath given to the poor. What would the poor mean? First of all, you ever known any poor? We've all known poor. Maybe I shouldn't say everybody's known poor, but I know I've known many poor people in my life. And as we said, I don't know how long ago it was, but God does not want you and I to be poor no more. (laughs) We may have been at one time, but he's going to enable us, make it possible to get away from that. It, mean, it can mean starving and indigent and without enough. Okay, let's keep on going here. Let's drop down to verse 10. How are we doing for time? We're doing all right. right. Second Corinthians 9.10 Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown, And increase the fruits of your righteousness. Verse 10. Ministereth, look at that word first, to supply or furnish. So that's obviously a very easy one. To supply or furnish is what it's saying. He ministereth seed. Something sown. Let's get an interesting definition on it, especially if we went down to the theist part. Whether we'll go through all that, I don't know, but let me back this up one second here. <clears throat> okay, we're on verse 10, and now we're looking at the word seed. He administered seed. Seed is something sown. Including now, this is the definition. This one comes from Strong's. We'll see what Thea says in a minute. Including the male sperm. I assume all of us here can understand that language, whatever. But God says He made the male and female, right? Well, we all understand that without the sperm, without the seed, there's not going to be anything produced. But God made it this way, and the world's certainly trying to make all kinds of wacko things about it, but <clears throat> that's what it is, Include the male sperm, referring to offspring in that situation. Seed would also be from which a plant germinates. In Thayer's, it says the seed, oh, what does that thing keep moving for? Must have something to do with me. All right, that's why. Okay, let's go over here. Same in verse 10, where it says, minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown. We'll look at multiply. To increase, to abound, to multiply. Notice the number of times this word abound keeps coming up. I'm not making it come up, I'm reading the definition to either the Strongs or Thayers. <clears throat> okay. Okay, we read that one. All right, let's go down to uh, verse 11 then. We're closing in on it here. Being enriched in everything. To all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God, being enriched. Come on, me see. Enriched. Who wants to take a guess on this definition of the word enriched? You wouldn't be far off if you just picked out part of that word. But here, I'll go ahead and tell you. This pluzidzo is the word from Strong's. It means to make wealthy, to make rich. Again, I am not making this up. Look it up in your own concordance. This is the meaning of those words. To make wealthy. God must not be concerned with us being... He's certainly concerned if we're in poverty and lack and distress. But he has no problems with you and I becoming wealthy. And that'll be a progressive thing like everything else in our spiritual life because we just don't want to make it all in wealth and just to blow it on ourselves or whatever. But the Spirit of God has certainly got a way to help us to understand these things as we begin to to walk in those areas. We we talked about stewardship a little bit before in different classes, so we we won't take too long in this. But God wants you and I to be good stewards. Good stewards is taking care of what he gives us how we handle our money. Again, back to that object lesson that Pastor Tom used Sunday morning That's being a good steward. <clears throat> all right. How about bountifulness? wonder what that's all about. bountifulness is liberal not as in some democratic liberals but uh, being liberal okay now let's go to verse 12 which is the last one we're going to look at here in 2nd Corinthians 9 for the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. The administration of this service not only supplieth let's look at that word supplieth Okay, there's two words there, so obviously I want the second one. To fill up, to furnish fully, to fill up by adding to. So that's the supply. Not only supplieth the want of the saints. Want is deficit, or lack, or, po- or poverty. but is abundant also by many thanksgivings to God. Abundant. There is this same word we looked at a while ago, parasuo, that has these tremendous definitions, to superabound in quantity and quality, to be in excess, to abound more, to be abundant. Okay, and now let's look at the thanksgivings. Be abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Gratitude, grateful, thanksgiving, giving many thanks to God. So we are thankful for his word, right? If we did not have abundance and overflow this evening, we should still be thanking God for many things. But <clears throat> say I'll say this, and that's just two sections of Scripture. But 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, I, I would encourage you to read the entirety of those chapters. I just picked out some of the words in them. But this is teaching on the church in the area of finances, in the area of sowing and reaping. God absolutely wants to supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. How many know that his riches and glory are a whole lot more than your and I's right now? No matter how much we already have. No matter how many zeros are in the account or accounts that you have. He's way more than enough. <clears throat> Okay, now we're going to go to some of our notes on the page here. In any of those definitions that we spoke about, does anybody have any input or questions or anything? Seeing none, we'll proceed. I think I found out one, I say I think, I found out one thing this week. I have a water here this evening but I purposely went out back and got a water that was not cold now I can't tell you for sure that cold waters were causing me to do that coughing and stuff but I noticed <coughs> it's not, not doing that that much this evening alright as I was saying prophetic words carry the supernatural ability to control this natural realm now, what do you mean by that? You say, I don't see you got a scripture reference next to that one, Patrick. I do not. You're right. But prophetic words. Now, we're not talking about words only on the page of a book. Could be the Bible book that you never look at. We're talking about words, but words come from speak. The words can definitely come from writing and the newspaper and everything else. But the words that we're talking about that God wants us to have is what we speak. What we declare into the atmosphere the same way he has and does. Prophetic words carry the supernatural ability to control this natural realm. And that is exactly what God wants you and I to do. He put Adam and Eve here to dominate. To have dominion. That's what he wants you and I to do in all areas. Including the area of finances that we're talking about. Get on to the next one. Tutor. Anybody ever been tutored? All right. Tutor. The definition is this. A person charged with the instruction and guidance of another. A tutor is a person that is charged with the instruction and guidance of another. That could be a school teacher. In this context, our notes are going to say, the Holy Spirit is, not was, not may be, the Holy Spirit is our guide and teacher. Our tutor will lead us out of a shortage mindset and into the overflow. And so you might say again, I don't see no reference there. Well, many of the references we just read and pointed out the meanings is what this is talking about. Didn't, didn't we read more than one occasion about overflow, about more than a month in abundance and all? So in this context, we're finding out that the Holy Spirit is our guide and teacher. The Bible says that. We'll we'll come to something here in just a second on that. So our tutor, I'm saying, will lead us out of a shortage mindset and into the overflow. And why will he do that? Because that is exactly God's will for you and I. He will aid us to do that. Now, if the Holy Spirit is our tutor, go ahead and turn to this reference in the New Testament. Go to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, and you're going, we're going to be turning to chapter 16 in the Gospel of John. And I want to bring our attention to specifically verses 13 and 14. <clears throat> so we're going to look at the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verses 13 and 14, in reference to this tutor that we've been, re- been re- been speaking about. John chapter 16 verse 13. How be it when he the spirit of truth is come he will guide you into all truth for he shall not speak of himself but whatsoever he shall hear that shall he speak and he will show you things to come. That's our guide, our tutor, the Holy Spirit. Next verse, verse 14. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. Now that's what our tutor, the Holy Spirit, is going to do and does do. He's going to take the things of his and reveal it unto us. Reveal is part of revelation, is it not? It absolutely is. And our guide, our instructor and guidance, the tutor of the Holy Spirit, is going to do that for us. He's going to get us out of a shortage mindset and into the overflow mindset. <clears throat> okay. How about our next one? How do you become prosperous? I'm not assuming and saying you are not. I'm asking us all the question to think about it. How do you become prosperous? You legislate it with your words. You are going to legislate. We have state legislators, they make Laws, some may be wacko, some pretty good or whatever, but they make laws and stuff. We, we are here to legislate the kingdom of God on planet earth. How do we become prosperous? You legislate it with your words of faith and the kingdom principle of sowing and reaping. That is the kingdom of God principle, sowing And reaping, not just sowing, without no reaping. And for this one, I'm going to give us another verse to go to here. We're going to go to the book of Isaiah this time. You say Isaiah? Yep. Isaiah. And we're going to look for chapter 55, a double nickel. And we're going to look at verses 8 through 11. So we have Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 11. Well, what's that got to do with anything? Well, we're going to find out here in a minute. Isaiah 55, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways saith the Lord. This is what was being ministered in this whole context here. Verse 9. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Is the heaven higher than the earth? If I was to know it is, I haven't been there yet, but that's what this word says, that's all we need to know. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Verse 10. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it, Bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Verse 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Let's read that verse again. Verse eleven. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. He wasn't just thinking of a word, hmm, or thought or whatever. No, it was the word that was going out of his mouth. Speak. So shall my word be that go forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. That's what you and I need to grasp a hold of. When we speak God's word out of our mouth, it's not going to come back void. His word is quick and powerful. But it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. You say, what's that got to do with anything? Well, this paragraph we just read says, How do you become prosperous? This is part of the definition of why and how this is going to happen. And so God lays these things all out for us. It really is not difficult. But the same in the natural, when we was a young child, we had to grow up. You, had, you know, you think you might rule the world at five years old, and with some parents, they might get away with it for a while. <clears throat> But that's not God's plan. But as we apply ourselves, and many of us may not have applied ourselves to the kingdom of God being born again for many years. You know, you was well over the age of 5 or 10 or 15 or 20, however far you have to keep going. But that was then, this is now. So, I hope you look over these notes at some point whenever you have the time, but I encourage you to learn to make time. I mean, how many hours are there in a day? How much? You sure? Well, let me ask you this one then. If there's 24 hours in a day, well, how many days are there in a week? Seven, look, math students here, we're doing good. We're going to prosper. And so the next question is, how many hours in a week? Don't strain the brain, 168 hours in a week. And you can check it out, 168 hours in a week. Well, what would a tithe of 168 hours be? 16 something. So we'll, we'll, we'll round it off to 16. You can think of it that way. Don't put yourself under legalism, but the kingdom of God, God provides all these things for us. I'll put it this way. You and I would be better off in our life. And you say, well, I, I can't go taking no, you know, 16 hours a week and just doing that. I don't have it. Well, that may be what you're thinking right now. That's all right. Nobody's putting you on the condemnation or anything else. But we can learn to start with maybe 15 minutes and a week. Come on, give me a break. Instead of watching the boop tube, we can certainly find an hour. Okay, enough of that.